You're listening to Marcus Sahaba Online Radio Podcast. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Medical Files is your program. Alhamdulillah, this evening we are going to talk to an otolaryngologist and uh, he's an ear, nose and a throat doctor. But our doctor, he's a no ordinary doctor, mashallah, in his field, he's a groundbreaker. He's also a surgeon and, you know, we know he's also researched and uh, you know yeah, he will tell you more about that and i we, we actually are honored to have him uh, this evening let's welcome uh, dr zubair abdullah khan and the umma with a hearty assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh and how are you doing this fine a beautiful evening doctor wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh alhamdulillah shafat Alhamdulillah, it's good to have you. And, you know, uh, there's something I know about you because we connected uh, paternally. And, uh, you know, your spirituality really astounds me, doctor. You know, we all humble about it. But just to inspire us, you know, the last 10 days of Ramadan, you're taken off. And Alhamdulillah, you're regular with your Jamaat. Just for a little bit of inspiration on the platforms of Marcus Sahaba, the voice of the Al-Sunnah, well, Jamaa, you know, tell us what motivates you so spiritually, doctor? <laughs> I, wasn't, I wasn't expecting to uh, speak about that. No, Alhamdulillah, I think that many, many uh, people my age and youngsters nowadays are realizing that, uh, that uh, happiness and contentment lies only in following, you know, the command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, obeying the command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and following the sunnah lifestyle of Nabi Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to the best of our ability. And we, you know, we come to realize how much of time we may have wasted in our youth, and we don't know how long we've got, you know, left. So we try to make the most of it, uh, and try to the remaining days of our lives, we try to um, use it to the best of our ability. But as as the ulama tell us, you know, when you're young, you have a lot of time but no money. And then when you, uh, you start working and become of working age, you you have a lot of uh, money, but no time. And then when you get older, you have lots of uh, time, but no energy. So uh, sometimes, we, you know, we, we have to make this free time when we're working to try and catch up for what we lost out in our youth. Well said there, Doctor, and you know, Alhamdulillah, uh, in, in your case, you do have a mizan, Alhamdulillah, the balance is beautiful, and uh, you know, you've done a groundbreaking research, you're recognized all over the world, and you know, uh, that, you know, no one can say, oh, he's an extremist, but you're down the middle, uh, Doctor, uh, a little bit about that, uh, that, uh, you know, motivating others, that you know what, it's all about, uh, as a Muslim, you shouldn't do everything you know, uh, um, uh, fanatically, but down the middle and following the sunnah of Nabi Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam. You said that so beautifully. And perhaps, uh, you know, uh, going out in Jamaat gives you that uh, introspection and that balance, uh, doctor. Yeah, alhamdulillah. You know, that's, uh, there's so many uh, different... We are very fortunate to have uh, learned ulama like Mufti Abdul Qadir Hussain, Mufti Zubair Bayat, all the different ulama in our country who, are, you know, who have been working tirelessly to bring us deen and to the knowledge uh, and make uh, Islam practical in our lives. So, you know, we, we cannot uh, we thank Allah enough for, for these gifted human beings that have sacrificed so much of their life and their time 
to in order for others to benefit. And definitely the best way is the middle path. And Islam teaches us the middle path. We have to be very, very careful, especially in these trying times to, uh, that we find ourselves, difficult times where we it's been in we find uh, you know we we're not sure we, there's the overload of information and we're not sure what to do. Always the middle path will probably be the safest route to take, and uh, always consulting with ulama and uh, getting the, the making mashura with people who know, uh, so that we can make decisions appropriately. You know, people. I'm, 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 I'm. You know what? I'm going to share a secret here. It was uh, the Baraka Mufti, A.K. Hussein Damud Barakatum, and uh, my uh, cousin, uh, Doctor Zubair Dular Khan, that this show started off because a Mufti approached me and he said, "Shafat, come on, man, let's do the medical show. Get your cousin." Because, you know, uh, Zubair Dular Khan and uh, Mufti are very close indeed, but uh, that's another story. Uh, you know, uh, you, you may be wondering why I'm indulging you. We, we've got our cousin in uh, in Ireland listening to us uh, this evening, and uh, that's uh, Sher Mark Khan. He's listening very intently this evening. So, Sher, assalamu uh, alaikum to you. Uh, just the last 10 days uh, you took off uh, to spend in Ramadan. Uh, did you sit for Etikaf, uh, doctor? No, I would have liked to. Uh, but, um, you know, after making mashura with uh, Mufti Zubair Bayat, I decided to, um, I decided to stay back behind in Cape Town. And Alhamdulillah, there was some very, you know, give me an opportunity to uh, be exposed to people like Murana Abdul Fataka, who is an imam of our masjid down the road from where I stay. And he did a stunning job of inviting youngsters uh, to the masjid and, and, and keeping them, you know, uh, attracted to the masjid. And then subsequently we see now after Ramadan, they're also coming. And alhamdulillah, it's a very interesting community. Uh, you know, they're not, um, uh, they're not, uh, not everybody is, uh, uh, you know, super rich or they all uh, come from middle income, low income homes. And alhamdulillah, you know, it's nice to see um, how they, you know, make the most of Ramadan and enjoy, you know, what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has bestowed upon them. Then, um, so that gave me an opportunity to spend some time with Mulan Abdul Fattah. And alhamdulillah, there has been a very interesting jamaat from Johannesburg that has been uh, uh, moving in Cape Town. Uh, and one of the brothers in the jamaat was a... Uh, is a professor of emergency medicine and uh, an ICU medicine from the uh, University of Budwatisland. So he's actually take, he's taken out four months of his from his busy schedule to go out in the path of Allah and to encourage people to not to forget their attachment to the masjid and uh, to the deen in this trying time. Alhamdulillah, beautiful indeed, and Allah bless you for sharing that, uh, Dr. Zubair Dular Khan. Uh, people, remember that uh, you want to interact with us. Uh, the WhatsApp number is 0847863132, 0847863132. Lucalo will put uh, your questions on the board, and I will, uh, uh, you know, uh, present it to Dr. Zubair Dular Khan. Remember, he is an ENT, uh, uh, ENT throat, uh, or ENT, uh, ears, nose, and throat uh, doctor. Uh, he's a specialist, and as I said, he's also a surgeon. And 
and Alhamdulillah, uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless him for being so forthright and inspiring us uh, this evening. Doctor, I'm looking at the screens and mashallah, the, the questions are coming through. Anonymous sister says, Assalamu alaikum. I am a female. I'm uh, I'm in my 50s. Once every five years or so, I develop a, like a fever sores inside my nostrils. I don't know if uh, it's caused by a fever. I'm not uh, too aware of it, uh, stress or whatever. The sores develop moist, blondish scabs with some matter. Please uh, tell me cause, uh, what's the cause and how to, do I treat this, uh, doctor? Uh, doctor Zubair? Yeah, so, so nice to uh, Alhamdulillah. So basically, most likely, that is, uh, if it's related to fever, then it's a, it's a blister and it's due to a viral infection called herpes simplex virus. And um, this is uh, some people get it on the on the border of their lip and skin, um, uh, and and this is uh, this is quite contagious. We have to realize that also. If you touch it and you can spread it to somebody else, um, but uh, the important uh, thing is that uh, you need to treat it early. So normally before the 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 blisters appear, there's a tingling sensation that one gets on the skin. So there's an there's an ointment called um, or a cream rather called uh, acetop or acyclover cream, an antiviral cream that if it's applied uh, early enough, then it will even prevent the blisters. But even even if you apply it while the blisters are on, then um, it should uh, allow those blisters to heal faster. It's uh, very uncomfortable uh, to have that, and um, but usually, the the what happens is this is this virus lives on the nerves. And it uh, and it stays dormant, quiet until the body is stressed for some reason. And when the body is stressed out and the immune uh, system is down, then it seems to flare up. And it can in the, it's uh, most commonly found in the lip area around the lip, but it can manifest in many different forms uh, in different parts of the body. And sometimes we get a condition called Bell's palsy, where you know the face. You get a type of condition where there's a stroke. So uh, it looks like the patient can't close the eye and can't move one side, only one half of the face. This is also related to this type of virus. And um, so, so yeah. So inshallah, for the sister that she needs to use an acyclovir cream when it's in the tingling sensation. Of the of the when it presents just a tingling sensation on the skin. Jazakallah for that, doc. And uh, you know, you you spoke about herpes. I mean, I uh, when I heard that, I thought that uh, you know, venereal disease uh, has it's got something to do with that, uh, doc. No, and there's a there's that's a different type. Of, a similar virus, you get the herpes simplex virus type one. That's the one that which comes out on the lips and. Uh, and the one, the venereal disease is the herpes simplex virus 2. Okay, hey, for, for clearing that up, you know, it was important because generally, hey, hey what happened to the, the sister there? But Zakallah for that, Doctor. Brilliant indeed. And uh, looking at another question, mashallah, <laughs> Dr. Zubarakai is flowing this evening, and Dr. Zubair Gulal Khan. 
who is an ENT specialist and also a surgeon, mashallah. Uh, also lectures at uh, the university in his field. Anonymous says, Assalamu alaikum. I was happy to read uh, Dr. Dular Khan was coming on. I met him before in Jamaat, mashallah. He's such a pleasurable human to engage with. I want to know, for example, uh, sometimes instead of blowing our noses, we pull the phlegm down the back of our nose into the throat and spit it out. Is this a practice? Okay. Hey, I can see that graphic, uh, graphically, doctor. <laughs> yeah. so, uh, no, the normal uh, pathway for the flow of mucus is posterior. It goes to the back of the nose, and the aim is to take the foreign material that collects on the mucus. So the normal purpose of the of your the mucus that flows in your nose, which you shouldn't normally perceive, is that it collects the foreign material, and that foreign material uh, is transported towards the stomach area, where it's killed by the acids of the stomach. So, but now when you do get an excessive amount of mucus production, then um, whichever way you decide to take it out. Uh, it's okay. Well, you heard that, whichever way. But in Ramadan, yeah, I remember that uh, the spit went down. Your, I mean, yeah, uh, you can do that. I mean, you couldn't put everything down, but if accidentally the spit went down, then it was okay. But if you deliberately did that, well, let's move the answer that. Uh, Salim Suleiman says, Assalamu alaikum, my brothers uh, Shafaat and uh, Dr. Zubair. Hope you are well. Uh, Alhamdulillah. Jazakallah for that. Please send uh, salams to our leader, Mufti A.K. Hussain. And what is the differences between pneumonia and COVID? Well, I knew something like that would come up. But Salim has asked you the question, uh, doctor. What's the differences between pneumonia and COVID? Okay, so COVID is is a virus. And pneumonia is an inflammation that takes place in the lung. So, an uh, inflammation means that there's uh, there's some kind of inflammation can either be due to an infection or due to other ty- uh, other causes like chemical irritants and things like that. So the infections can either be due to bacteria, viruses, or fungi. So the COVID is a virus, like the flu virus, like the herpes virus that you spoke about, these are, this is one type of organism that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has produced that causes infection uh, and, and causes damage uh, in the body. Looking at Zubaira, uh, uh, okay, uh, is, that, uh, is that the answer, full? Yeah, the COVID is not, uh, the uh, COVID is the cause, pneumonia is the Disease. Okay, beautiful and uh, lovely. Hey, are you drinking Zamzam water there? I don't know. You should you should share some with me, Doc, because you're sounding very cool, calm, and collected in that beautiful part of Cape Town. Uh, Jui Masi says, uh, Jui Masi, nice name there, uh, says, Assalamu alaikum to you all. We're so happy the medical program is back after Ramadan. Uh, Jazakallah, Brother Shafat, and we enjoy Dr. Dular Khan always. How is our Mufti A.K. Hussain? Well, I can tell you Mufti A.K. Hussain is still firing on all cylinders and he's alhamdulillah, mashallah. And she goes on to say, my question is uh, that uh, uh, that cuff comes uh, in our mouth. What harm if we swallow it? 
and must we rather take it out? Well, Masi's got a very intriguing question there, uh, Dr. Zubair Dular Khan. Well, you take it out, or you, or you mean the phlegm? Yeah. So, yeah, it doesn't matter. If you follow it, the the, the, the whatever the, the the enzymes and the acid in the stomach will kill whatever needs to be killed. If you spit it out, that's also fine. Yeah, that Masi. Simple. Yeah. You may swallow it, and uh, you have the stomach is so powerful that what an inferno is going on there. Allahu Akbar. Suhail says, Assalamu alaikum, my brothers on air. Please advise the best treatment for infected throat. In the past, I got inflamed throat and survived. Now, because I get again, it can't mean I'm getting COVID. Hey, people are worried, doc. Yeah, so many different causes of a sore throat, you know. This is what people should realize, that a sore throat can be from various different causes. One of the common things probably in the fasting period is, uh, is reflux. So if you, if you, um, if you have uh, acid reflux, where the, stomach from your, from the acid from the stomach is coming too high up into the throat because there's some valves that are leaking, or allowing the acid to come through, then um, that that burning of that acid, which is not supposed to be in the throat, can cause a sore throat. So that would usually be caused by very fatty diet, oily, you know, eating lots of fried food uh, and uh, oily food and things with lots of white flour or gaseous cool drinks and lots of caffeine. Uh, so one should be careful of the diet. The other com common cause of uh, sore throat is a blocked nose. So if one breathes to the their mouth open and the nose is blocked, then one will tend to have a sore throat, especially early in the morning, because uh, you are now breathing dry, cold air into the throat instead of the warm, moistened air, which is supposed to come when it is uh, inspired through your nose. So this is the common thing. Then we get come on to... Infection. Now, if you, if you have an infection uh, and the sort, then you, it will usually be associated with uh, high fever uh, and headaches. So, if it is associated with a very high fever, headaches, uh, a fast heart rate, then then there's a more likely chance that you are dealing with an infection uh, from either a virus or a bacteria. So. I suppose this would be the criteria. When it comes specifically to viral infections, COVID, flu, and all, then you more there will also be associations with muscle pain. There'll be myalgia, so that's, that's called muscle pain, uh, and sometimes you feel a bit of nausea, and and sometimes you get a headache a few day a few days before, and and muscle pain, and then the sore throat comes a few days later. This is a typical presentation. Or viral infection. 
absolutely brilliant. And I'll tell you, people, I know Dr. Zubair Dular Khan was a brilliant academic. Also, he was a good uh, sportsman, too. He's a play, uh, good cricket, good soccer. And now, if in cricketing sen- uh, terms, uh, you've already scored your century. And alhamdulillah, flowing beautifully this evening, uh, Dr. Zubair Dular Khan. I mean, cool, calm, and collected. You're feeling good this evening, uh, doctor? Yeah, alhamdulillah. It's, uh, it's been a hectic day, but... Uh... Alhamdulillah, it's going well. Well, yeah, you got the, I think, therapy. Yeah, you enjoy radio also, alhamdulillah, and are serving the ummah. Let us go for a break, and inshallah, we will continue after that. You're listening to Marcus Sahaba Online Radio Podcast. Tukone 34 Central African Time, the program is a medical files in consultation with Dr. Zubair Tulat Khan, ENT specialist and also surgeon, Alhamla, groundbreaker in his field. And Alhamla, great having him on the platforms of Marcus Sahaba, the voice of the Ahlus Sunnah, while Jama'a. Yes, I remember, get your questions in on the WhatsApp number 0847863132. Alhamdulillah, the Barakah is flowing. A doctor must have done something. Something special this evening because with some wazifa he read, I just can't believe it. I've got the whole screen jammed here and uh, beautiful indeed. Uh, okay, yeah, Lukalo. Yeah, that one we did. Yeah, little down. Okay, there's it. Yusuf says, Assalamu alaikum to Shafaat and Dr. Zubair Dular Khan. Please advise the side effects of the vaccine, <laughs> uh, the side effects of the vaccine and how to counter them. Hey, doc, they're clutching onto you. <laughs> I mean, no, I'm not the expert at vaccines uh, <laughs> and and, and um, but uh, Shavat, can you hear me clearly? Sounding a little beautiful, Nick. I hope you can hear me clearly, Doctor. We can hear. Yeah. So the question was, what are the side effects of the vaccine? Uh, I took the vaccine. I didn't have any side effects. Hello. You in- are you in the front line, and so you had to take the vaccine, and uh, so you're feeling, uh, uh, you know, no, no side effects with you. Okay. But also read lots of dua before taking the vaccine. Okay. No, I think, you know, you know, people in your field, you had to take it because, you you, you know, uh, it's, I think, protocols coming through. But Allah, make it easy for you, Doc. And even so at I some point, thinking, I think uh, even if you have to travel, it's going to be a necessity. But inshallah, I think uh, if you're in a position that you have to take it, at least make dua to Allah that Allah protect you. It is very new technology. We don't know a lot about it. But uh, we are living in strange times at the moment. So um, in any type of vaccine, uh, you know, they, uh, most people felt a little bit of headache and body pains and uh, just, but that should have lasted only 48 hours. And if they had symptoms beyond that, then they needed to go get examined further. Mm-hmm. Gee, doctor, you know, did you take the uh, Johnson and Johnson, or was it that AstraZeneca, and then the Ivermectin was doing its rounds? But which one, uh, which vaccine did you take, doc? The one that uh, the, the, all the doctors had to take was the J and G. J&J. Yeah. Okay. He uh, Johnson and Johnson. I know that one. Okay. When I was a baby, mom used to put that powder for me. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Hopefully, <laughs> there's only the powder. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. The powder was hey, okay. Marcy from Farinikang says, uh, Assalamu alaikum. Two interesting program. 
can I know from uh, can I know from doctor how effective is gargling with salt or water for the throat? Also, I have a question from my husband Abu. He says uh, before times they used uh, they used a TCP, but now he doesn't find it. Is a TCP good? And what is better than uh, than that on the market now? Hey, some nice nostalgic questions coming through, uh, Doctor Zubair Abdullah Khan. Yeah, that's a very good question, actually, because most people don't realize the power of uh, salt water. So, uh, you know, viral infections can very easily, viruses can very easily be killed by gargling with salt water. So even before COVID, I used to often advise people when they have a sore throat that if you start at a very, but you have to catch it at the very early stage and you gargle with salt water, see what salt water is a, what we call a hypertonic solution. So it tends to draw water out from other, uh, from other parts of your body or from the, the, uh, the where it, so it can basically, it can kill viruses if used early enough. Simple salt water, simple and uh, yeah, warm water with salt. And uh, you know, I used it so often. Uh, loss of smell is one of the symptoms of COVID 19. That's the question here. How do you diagnose accordingly when it is something else? Yes, sir, Doc, that's your field, you know, ENT, uh, loss of smell, and the nose, and then uh, people, hey, you got COVID. But how do you uh, diagnose accordingly that it's a COVID or it's an other related issue, doctor? Well, in this day and age, I mean, at the moment in the, in now, if you come, if you basically you had the, the all you had the sore throat and you had body aches and uh, you know cold, cold and flu symptoms, and at the same time you lost your smell, then. We would everybody would have, would advise that you go and have yourself get a COVID test. But we did know that viral viruses do affect the nerves of smell. That is the olfactory nerve. So that's the nerves that are found in the very top part of your nose, deep in your nose. Um, and uh, basically, chemicals have to reach these nerve endings, and then uh, the a electric signal is sent to the brain, and then we are interpret these different smells. So there's two pathways to. One is the the chemical must reach the nerve, and then the nerve must interpret the chemical and and, and interpret what smell that you are smelling. So if there's a blockage in for the chemical to get to the nerve ending, then that uh, that's Usually not uh, a viral infection. It's usually just some swelling in the nose, and that's treatable. But once it's affected the nerve endings, then it's difficult to, and very often many of our patients, uh, even prior to COVID, uh, you know, would lose their smell uh, permanently or for very long periods of time because of a viral infection. And we never really understood what the mix, but we we felt that it was the the virus that attacks the nerve endings directly. And then sometimes you can have uh, you know growth around around the nerve in that area that can also cause you to lose smell. So very often, if patients were to present with loss of smell, 
then we'll do a CT scan to exclude any kind of tumor or growth that may be a possible uh, cause of the loss of smell. Nowadays, with the, with the uh, increase with like COVID and the increase in... Beautiful uh, listening to him. Uh, cool, calm, collected, as I said, and very articulate indeed. Noura Masi from the region says, uh, MashaAllah Shafat Ba and uh, Dr. Zawir Dular Khan. I really like the show. When I talk, people tell me, shh, you're shouting. <laughs> this is uh, making me cross. I want to know why the people tell me like this. Give my salams to Mufti AK. Uh, you know, this is uh, with the, uh, perhaps, you know, elders don't know that they're shouting, they're talking. But uh, what's your uh, views on that, uh, doctor? Okay. Usually it's uh, the other way around. But um, what happens is people are, are speaking and then uh, or, or normally and then the person with the hearing problem, they recognize a normal speaking person as shouting. So, but uh, what she's saying is that she is talking. So, sometimes uh, a person with hearing loss um, or feels that you know they can't hear themselves properly, so they need to increase their uh, volume of their of their voice. So, this would be indicative that there's a possible hearing problem. But what is more problematic uh, normally is that people who who lose their hearing in their old age, uh, um, they usually are the ones that complain that others are speaking too loud. So it's a, because there's a, there's a phenomenon that occurs in your inner ear, uh, which is called recruitment. So as the cells start dying inside your inner ear, the your ear takes the sound, the normal sound, and it amplifies it. So you start hearing things at a higher pitch than you normally would, would uh, what, than what is normal because of this, this phenomenon called recruitment. So many people, elderly people who get old, they, they get irritated when people speak because they feel that the other people are shouting at them. But even though a person is speaking at a normal voice, that's why it's very important when you have speaking to older people who are hard of hearing, one, one should not raise one's voice, but rather one should go close to the person's ear and speak in a normal uh, or, or a low-tone voice uh, because of this, con- this, this phenomenon called recruitment where the, the patient with the, the hearing loss uh, they perceive everything louder than it actually is, but in an uncomfortable way. It's a bit complicated, but I hope I made it clear. No, no, you, 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 uh, we've got the gist of uh, what you said there, Doc. And you know, when you said uh, talk gently, come closer to the person and talk properly, it reminded me so much of our Nabi Sallallahu his sunnah, his gentle manner of speech, you know. And Allah tells him, oh, Muhammad, verily, if you were harsh of speech and harsh of nature, they would have run away from you. So people, be gentle. Beautiful, uh, doctor. Really enjoyed that. You know, and also, whilst you're talking, I was thinking about, uh, you know, generally some people, when you go to the ophthalmologist or you go to the optician and they say one eye is more powerful than the other, do we have the same uh, problem when it comes to our ear? One ear can hear better than the other ear, doctor. In that case, what? Uh, how is that treated? Uh, 
No, actually, you know, we, we, interestingly, we don't really see that with the ears. Generally, most often the problems are symmetrical. They are, there are certain con- diseases that attack the one particular ear. But when you get, for example, um, so if one, one can't hear in one ear, it doesn't make the other ear stronger, like the eye. But it makes other senses stronger. You see, you know, the, we, need, we need both our ears in order to localize sound. So if a person can only hear with one ear, he'll generally hear well, like a, a normal human being, as long as a person is in front of him. But when a person speaks behind a person who can only hear with one ear, then he's unable to localize the sound. And this is actually dangerous for people like, you know, policemen and things who need to, who, who, um, because they can be easily stopped from behind because they're unable to localize sound uh, accurately. But, uh, but I, for one, feel that the ear and hearing is far more important than sight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, yeah. both are just as important uh, because uh, for human beings in general. But uh, as we look at, if you look at it more clearly, you know, your hearing is such an important part of your ability to communicate with other human beings uh, and on also to in, to get information that one cannot, uh, one is unable to speak if you can't hear. And the ear is one of the things that develops, is is the, one of the only organs that is fully developed at the time when a child is born. And uh, this is because this emphasizes how important our hearing is uh, in order for functioning as a as human beings. Absolutely brilliant information uh, coming through there from our doctor, Zubair Dular Khan. Uh, this message uh, reads, it says, As a kid, I had inserted a pea in my ear. It was uh, taken out by home remedy, warm oil and a hairpin. Years later, I find that uh, that ear has a dull sound input. Must I be concerned, uh, doctor? Uh, so, if you yeah, if yeah. That would be best if we if we had the ear checked and examined. There could be a perforation of the tympanic membrane that or, or something that. So the best it would be for that person to have a uh, an examination by ear by ear nose surgeon and also in an audiological evaluation where a special test done to evaluate the hearing uh, in a in a soundproof boost. Alhamdulillah. Nadir Shah says, uh, MashaAllah, Shaf, uh, this evening's doctor is a trendsetter in his field. Perhaps as cousins, you complement each other in your respective fields. I want to know, can surgery be performed in remote areas of the country using 5G and artificial intelligence? What are some of the challenges and probabilities? Uh, tell Doc, I will join him for Jamaat soon. Hey, you got a fan here, Doc. <laughs> so, um... Yeah, alhamdulillah. Interesting question because uh, it's probably going to move like that. But at the moment, it's not possible. And, um, you know, we uh, we can't, you know, with regards to the ear, we haven't come to that stage yet where we're doing robotic surgery or uh, things like that. But um, 
what we're definitely seeing with this new field of endoscopic ear surgery is that it, possibly, it is possible to do um, operations uh, by, by using the endoscope. It's not so bulky to take to rural areas. Uh, and uh, there are people like, for example, in Malawi and Kenya who are doing um, operations using a laptop as a screen and repairing people's eardrums and which are getting good results from that as well. Alhamdulillah. Tenkur uh, from Durban North says, uh, Assalamu alaikum. My husband and I are in our late 50s. Uh, couples do have many shouting matches uh, during uh, the years. How often should we have our ear, throat and nose uh, checked out? Uh, very good question, uh, doctor. So, uh, well, generally people only, for, with, when it comes to ear, nose and there's no routine uh, checkups that is required. Like, but when you do find a problem and it's affecting the quality of your life, then it would be. I mean, there are quite a few uh, solutions available to improve your quality of life. So instead of just ignoring it, so when you find that you do have your, uh, an issue with your ear, nose, or throat that's affecting the quality of your life, they are uh, uh, seeing the qualified person. Um, they have quite a lot of solutions available these days uh, to to help people, you know, improve the quality of life. Well, well said, that doc. Uh, unlike uh, the uh, opticians and the dentists, they always send you a reminder: hey, you are due for a check. Check your teeth out and check your anyway. But you don't. Uh, you're not sending reminders out all the time, now, doctor. No, no. Wait for okay. the patients to. We hope that they yeah, don't doctor, come. He's, you know, he's a yeah, he's a specialist. He's a surgeon. He's a lecturer. Alhamdulillah, you don't need to send those reminders out. Uh, Farad Osman says, "Assalamualaikum to Top Station and Top Show. I'm very soft-spoken, and people often ask me to speak up. Uh, this is embarrassing. Can I do a procedure to <laughs> amplify my voice? Well, uh, Doc, what do you say? He's very soft. Yeah, so." That's uh, that's often we don't speak about the voice much, but the voice is a is an important area for for communication. And uh, yes, people who need their voice in their in their vocations or their work require some sometimes may require some work. So what we would do in a case where like Brother Osman, we would evaluate his vocal cord. By first having a look with it at it with something called a flexible laser pharyngoscope and see if you can find any obvious cause to why he's uh, unable to attain a high pitch in his voice, and then we can even further on go to do a special investigation called laryngeal stroboscopy or video stroboscopy, and this creatine uh, gives us a very fine view of the find mechanism of the vocal cords and how they work, and we often can pick up some subtle abnormalities. And then once we've identified what the possible cause is, then there are certain things that can be done. But very often, these problems are related to to just um, breathing techniques and an ability to use your voice uh, appropriately, and that's why the speech therapist who has a very important role to play uh, in in these conditions. 
Jazakallah for that, uh, Dr. Uh, Kerun from the Eastern Cape says, I must say, Dr. Zuberi is a tops. What happens when a child is born without an outer ear? Can they still hear? And does the doctor reconstruct the ear? I want to know how it's done. Maaf for my ignorance. No, ignorance is not bliss with Dr. Zubair Dular. Kani will answer. Doc? Yeah. So uh, the, what happened is the outer ear, which is develops uh, through six little out hills, we call hillocks, and then they fuse and form the shape, shape of the structure that we speak called the auricle. So that in itself helps to collect the sound and amplifies the sound. But very often, unfortunately, there are children born with deformities with the outer ear. So it's, uh, firstly, it's cosmetically not very really pleasing, but they're often associated with other problems deeper, deeper in, in the ear. So one must, that, that child will have to go under a full evaluation to see what is the condition of the middle and inner ear as well. But specifically when it regard, with regards to the shape of the auricle, they are very skilled plastic surgeons um, uh, here in Cape Town uh, that I know of who do a very good job of using the rib uh, cartilage and then reshaping uh, the ear uh, to look uh, like very close to the normal. And uh, these children, they usually do it at the age of about six before the ch- child goes to school so that he doesn't have, uh, you know, it uh, saves him from any embarrassment. You can also use prosthetic uh, um, outer ears that are available that look uh, very much normal. Uh, Is it a a very expensive uh, procedure, I mean, to do all this, uh, Doc? Yeah, so, but it can be done at the state hospital, uh, provided you can get access to that. And uh, uh, medically, it also will pay for it. Okay, you got that from Doc. Ibrahim Musa says, Assalamu alaikum. I have a group of indigent brothers working for me in my supermarket. At times I hear them shouting and bellowing at each other. Uh, yet I am told this is normal in the circumstances. Can a doctor explain this phenomenon? Uh, doctor, I don't know if you studied uh, that uh, maybe village talking or chatter. Your your views? the <laughs> So obviously, every different communities have different ways of speaking. For example, the Egyptians, when one watches them speaking, one would think they're fighting. But that's their normal way of uh, of communicating in their particular region of the world that they come from. So geographic location and habits for in different uh, areas does play a role in the way people communicate. And uh, what may seem offensive to some people is normal to others. So we need to be tolerant and also, but the more knowledge we have, for example, you know, very often in the early days when we were getting a lot of foreign Muslim brothers coming, uh, say, in the uh, late 90s or so, to then very often they would recite loudly in their salah. You know, well, uh, loudly in a way that it's audible to themselves. But our general trend previously was that most people were very silent in their salahs. 
But this is their teaching, and, and this is the recommendation from their mashaykh that they have to recite in such a way, even uh, when they are reading on their own, that at least they can hear themselves minimally. So it's important to understand different cultures and different habits and be tolerant of different people. But if it comes to the work situation and you have a certain kind of environment that you have to create for your work purposes, then one should have to, one will need to use, uh, you know, audiovisual material to educate the, the staff as to what the ideal environment should be uh, in your particular business in order to attract more customers or to make the customers happy. Tell you, Doc, you're keeping us happy this evening. have about a minute and a half to go. Uh, let's do this last question. Yusuf Mangera says, Chefs, I'm, uh, I'm hard of hearing, but all your shows I listen to with earphones, studiophonic sound. <laughs> My question for Doctor is, what are some of the major issues that an ENT specialist or surgeon is uh, presented with? And have there been cases where patients do not heal? Uh, doctor? Uh, he, he says, uh, what are they? Or oh, where patients don't get better? Yeah, if they don't heal, yes. Yeah. So very often we deal with some complex problems. Uh, for example, uh, there's a condition called chronic rhinosinusitis. And many times there's a misunderstanding of the... of uh, the different problems in, in with regard to the nose specifically and the ears. That's why before we operate, we have to, a patient must get a fair idea. Many today we live in a in a world of instant gratification, and many people want uh, quick fix solutions. But very often, uh, with regard to ear, nose, and throat problems, they aren't quick fix solutions. And, uh, you know, rushing for operations also is something not, uh, you know, recommended all the time unless it's a life-threatening uh, problem or something that would, if you leave it, it would uh, create more problems in the future uh, or make, you know, uh, operations more difficult when it, it really is required. So those are far and few between. The majority of the, our problems that we see are nagging problems and uh, we have to, you know, have a good uh, relationship with the patient and work through the problems and find, and then together as a doctor and a patient, uh, come to the most, uh, you know, appropriate solution for that particular patient. And I don't think it's the same for everybody. It varies from patient to patient. Hmm. I can tell you, Doctor, this evening you are very loquacious and informative. Perhaps your parting words uh, this evening. You know, we are, we are approaching difficult times. Our brothers in Palestine are undergoing a huge amount of difficulties. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, make it easy for all the Muslims that are suffering throughout the world. And uh, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give all the Muslims the tawfiq to be steadfast in their in their deen and become good examples for the rest of humanity. The rest of humanity is waiting for the Muslims to guide them to peace and happiness in this world and in the hereafter. The only solution lies within the Muslims. So it's, a, it's up to the Muslims 
to bring complete deen into their lives, complete Islam in the way shown to us by our Nabi Muhammad And if we should sincerely try our utmost, like that we'll find solution for our own problems, medical, non-medical, financial, and, and uh, social problems. And like that also will become examples for others to follow. And we should use every possible opportunity we can find to be, be examples uh, of ummatis of Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam and uh, vice presidents and, and and people who call more people towards Islam and not people that chase people away from from Islam. Yeah, tell you, Dr. Zubair, absolutely brilliant. You know, I think a beautiful way of ending up. Once again, Jazakallah Khair for being with us on uh, Medical Files. Uh, you have a blessed evening ahead. Uh, talk to you soon, uh, Dr. Salaamu Alaikum wa Rahmatullahi wa Barakatuh. And uh, to all those listeners that sent in questions, a big uh, Jazakallah Khair to you, you and you. And uh, time for us to go for the Isha Azan. And inshallah, when we get back, uh, Pertinence Punctuated will be joining you. <laughs>